Detective. When a leading banker won a large sum of money at cards, he stepped into what looked like a perfect swindle. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Take it from me, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. The way some people dream of finding gold, con men dream of finding the perfect swindle. I walked through the bank, up to the door of the private office that said Alden Porterfield, President. I gave my name to the secretary sitting outside, and she sent me in immediately. When Porterfield saw me, his eyes lost their hunted look. Sit down, Mr. Browning. He flipped a key on his desk intercom. I am not to be disturbed for any reason. Then he turned back to me. Browning, I am in very serious trouble. Have you ever heard of the Business League Club? I shook my head. It's a social organization, rather exclusive. Browning, I have been accused by my fellow club members of cheating at cards. I couldn't believe my ears. Porterfield was an old-line banker, a civic leader. That's ridiculous, Mr. Porterfield. It's somebody's idea of a joke. I'm afraid not. It happened two days ago after what turned into a rather large game. I was accused of, of marking the cards. And, Mr. Browning, those cards were marked. I see. You were losing? No. I'd been winning. I've been winning for weeks. In the last month, I've won over $5,000. And now I'm threatened with exposure, being branded as a cheat unless I pay them $25,000. Don't pay. If you pay once, you'll pay as long as you live. But I have no choice. Such publicity will ruin me. Mr. Browning, I'm trapped. A prominent banker was accused of cheating at cards and threatened with exposure unless he paid $25,000. Mr. Porter, need a week for me later. I drove to the office of George Lanyon. No, I'm to go to George I grew up under the name of George. Their members have a big stakes, and the steward treated me like a letter from home. You'll like this game, Mr. Lanyard. Lots of action, steep enough to separate the men from the boys. Hallie, the steward, introduced me to the other players, and I sat down. Yeah, I won right from the start. The game was poker, and I had the kind of luck people dream about. In two days, I won over $15,000, real money that they let me take away from the place. It was really a beautiful setup. The lightning struck the next day. Just a moment, Mr. Lanyard. May I see those cards you're holding? Why, sure. What's the matter? These cards are marked. There were four other players in the game, and they all registered shocked amazement. Halley swept up all the cards, put the deck into his pocket. Please step into my office, Mr. Lanyard. In the steward's office, Halley proved that the cards were marked with tiny red and blue dots on the back. Then he reached into my jacket pocket and pulled out stubs of red and blue pencils. An easy palming trick. I protested. I yelled. Went through all the motions of outraged indignation. Finally, Mr. Lanyard, we caught you red-handed. You've won over $15,000, a lot of money to win, dishonestly. You will at once refund those winnings. Plus $25,000 additional. Suppose I don't. You know I've been framed. If you don't, the story will be given to every newspaper in town. And don't think I'm bluffing. Furthermore, we'll sue for the 15000 I didn't think he was bluffing. For the kind of swindle he was pulling, it helps to sacrifice one goat to warn the others. 
I mopped my brow. I, uh, I've got to think it over. Certainly. Until tomorrow morning. I called the steward that same afternoon. I won't pay. If you want to give the story to the papers, go ahead and give it. Art McComb, city editor of the Morning Sentinel, pursed his lips. You're uh, fooling with dynamite, Jerry. Just look at this story they sent us. I looked. A full and complete exposure of George Lanyard as a card sheet, all neatly typed out. I smiled. They've done just what I hoped they'd do, Art. Okay. I promised you I'd hold the story up 24 hours, Jerry, and I will. But I can't sit on it forever, and neither can the other papers. Art, I don't need 24 hours. Now, uh, let's go down to the composing room. Late that same night, I was back in the club steward's office. Um, Mr. Halley, I've changed my mind. I'll pay. It's too late. I can't stop the stories. It's already appeared in the morning sentinel. He picked up a newspaper from his desk, indicated the story on page one. Prominent merchant accused of cheating at cards. I smiled. Halley, I've got news for you. I'm not George Lanyard. He's on the West Coast and has been there all week which makes that newspaper story libel. I took a folded piece of paper from my pocket. This is your summons in a libel suit for $100,000. And by the time we get through, I have a hunch you'll be facing a few other charges as well. He didn't take it lying down. He made a few phone calls, verified that Lanyard was out of town, and that my name was Jerry Browning, private detective. What's your price, Browning? I took another paper from my pocket. Your signature on this paper confessing that accusations against Lanyard, Porterfield, and others were false. You also agree that you and your crew will get out of town and stay out. Well, he didn't have much choice. Not with that phony copy of the Morning Sentinel staring him in the face. A paper that McComb had printed up specially for delivery to the club. Halley signed, and that was the end of him and the Business League Club. Like I said, the men who hunt a perfect swindle have a lot in common with the men who hunt gold because they both generally wind up with nothing but trouble. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.